taking different classes before me. They've laid a solid foundation. So um, today we'll be looking at um, Acts chapter 10. We'll be reading from verses 34 to 48. Acts chapter 10 verses 34 to 48. So please open your Bible and let us read it together. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching is message of baptism. And you know what God, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are reading all the way to verse 48, so I'll start from verse 39 now. And, and we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll start from last, so last Wednesday. Pastor Nina took the beginning of, the, of this chapter 10. Uh, she preached, um, she taught us from verses 1 to 33. And one of the things that really struck me was how she described Cornelius. The Bible called Cornelius a righteous man. So Pastor Nina told us the characteristics, 12 characteristics of a God-fearing man. She talked about the fact that a God-fearing man always puts God first, is responsible, humble, 
man of mercy, persevering, honest, trustworthy, is teachable, is generous, loves peace, has a pure heart, fruitful in Christ, and loves unconditionally. And when she was talking, teaching us last week, she also told us that when they, she said righteous man here, refers to every human being. Every one of us is righteous. And all these characteristics we must be ready to exhibit in our lives. So as she was teaching us last Sunday, one of the things that struck me was that why is it that Cornelius is the one trying to find God? He's the one praying to God, giving alms. But it was Peter that God told to go to Cornelius' house and not the other way around. You would think that the person that is the one seeking is the one God will tell, go to Peter's house and go and meet him. But one of the things she also said last week was that Cornelius was not just a, a, a soldier, of, a Roman soldier in the Italian brigade, not just a righteous man, but he was also an influential man. So I believe that God knew that if Peter was the one to go, he would have a larger audience in Cornelius' house, not just his family, not just his household, but his community in total would be around to listen to Peter as he speak. And that was what happened. When Peter got to Cornelius' house, they said there was a crowd waiting to hear him. So Cornelius was able to bring a lot of people together. I want us to look at some of these things, um, uh, why the Jews didn't really associate with the Gentiles. In the past, according to William Berkeley, a, the a theologian, found this on online so you can search for him. William Buckley said that in the past there was this declared animosity or hatred by all, gent by all Jews to the Gentiles. In fact, a Jewish man would wake up in the morning and pray and say, thank God that I'm not a slave, a Gentile, or a woman. So a Jewish man would categorize slave women and Gentiles all together and say, thank God, I am not them. And then if a Jew married a Gentile, the Jewish community will hold a funeral. Can you imagine? They hold a, a funeral for him and they will consider him dead. It was thought that to even enter the house of a Gentile made a Jew unclean before God. That was what Peter said when he got to Cornelius' house, that he know that this is not right for me to come to your house. This was what uh, Peter was referring to. Also, it wasn't just one way. The Gentiles were also, the Gentiles were also racist, you know, in their own way. They were looking at the Jews and they would call them uh, pig worshippers because the Jews don't eat pork. They would say because they don't eat pork, they are Jew worshippers. This shows us the different kinds of prejudices, perceptions, wrong thinking that was going on at the time. And that is why the first verse that we read this today is very important. In verse 34, then Peter replied. When you say then at the beginning of a sentence, that means there's a beginning and then you are not going on further than that. The beginning was how Peter had to see the vision, the, the, the sheet that was showing him all the animals that he thought was unclean. And God warned him, don't call what I call clean to be unclean. Then he had to go to Cornelius' house. So Peter continued from there. He said, now I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. That is, God has no, God doesn't have a clique of people that he relates with and a clique of people that he does not relate with. There's a proverb that says that the rain falls on both the wicked and the good. God looks at everybody equally. 
He doesn't see one person as being better than the other. He sent Jesus Christ, as we're told in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So that whosoever, doesn't care who you are, whether you are free, you are slave, you are tall, you are short, you are round, you are slim. Whether you are Igbo, you are Yoruba, you are Nukme, you are TV. He doesn't care. Whosoever. So Jesus Christ came to break that conception, the misconception that the Jews and the Gentiles had, which was to look at one person as not being good enough to make it to heaven and the other people as being the preferred race, the preferred people. Jesus Christ had to come to break that chain. And this is what was dawning on Paul and Peter as he was teaching in Cornelius' house, that God has no favoritism. Let us all open to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17. In the NLC version, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17 says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God, who shows no partiality and cannot be bright. God has no preferred bride. Now, let me ask you this question, and we need to think about it. Have you ever in your mind at any point in time considered that I do not want to relate with those people. I don't want to have anything to do with them. I remember a case that Patty was telling us about a long time ago. Uh, he said that these people wanted to marry, I think one Yoruba and Igbo, and they both had Christian parents. And these Christian parents didn't want their children to marry into other tribes. How can we call ourselves children of God? And we'll still be having this conception that one tribe is better than the other. Or you don't want to associate with one tribe or the other. God doesn't see color. God doesn't see race. God doesn't see people in boxes. He sent Jesus Christ to preach, the good, to, to tell us the good news for all the nations. And that is why we are here today. That anyone that believes, that believes in God will be accepted, by Jesus, will be accepted into his family. This was not an easy position for Peter to also arrive at. You know, being born a Jew, he grew up as a Jew. He knew all the rules and the regulations. He knew the laws and the orders and the relationship. But God had to break that down in him. And I want you to also think about it. What is it that you are holding on to, consciously or unconsciously? What are the biases? There are some people that think that everybody that is fair is an Ogbanje. Have you heard that one before? Which is very wrong. Some people believe that everybody that is dark is an Ogbanji. So who is the Ogbanji? Dark or light? Nobody is. Anyone that believes God is a child of God, regardless of their color or their race or whatever they do. And I was thinking about how Peter had to see that vision three times because it wasn't an easy thing for him. He was even doubting God. And I would like to refer to a video clip that was shared on the workers' platform. Uh, when Patty preached the sermon here at my... Can we have the clip? Your doubts is the very reason you should engage God. Doubt is not a problem by itself. Your doubt is the very reason you should engage God. So the question is this. What if Moses had walked away from the bush? He would have missed the miracle of turning bringing water out of the rock, the miracle of turning Nile into red blood, the miracle of, of parting the Red Sea by just raising his rod 
the miracle <laughs> of manna, the miracle of the pillar of fire by, by night, pillar of cloud by day. He will have missed the miracle of the Ten Commandments, seeing God's finger writing. He will have seen, missed the miracle of delivering a whole nation. But simply because he showed up, simply because he said, here I am, he began to see all these miracles of God. Now, let's look at it. Now, let's take it to Peter. If Peter, for any reason, had refused to understand the vision that God was giving to him, had refused to follow the men that Cornelius sent to him to come to his house, if Peter had refused because of the doubt or the question or because of the upbringing or because of the wrong perception prejudices, the foundation of being a Jew that had been laid in him from the day he was born, if he had refused, what would have happened? Part, point three in that sermon says that when I say to God, here am I, I see the miracles I never thought I could see. Peter would have missed the miracle of seeing Cornelius and his household getting born again. Peter would have missed the miracle of being the one of the first people to preach to the Gentiles. The foundation that he laid was what Paul built upon to go into Ephesus, to go into all the other Gentile nations. He would have missed it totally because he was, if he had refused to follow that, he would have also missed carrying out the last verbal instructions that Jesus gave them. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. In Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you, always even to the end of the age. If you do not open your heart, and you do not open your eyes to see as God sees. And do not open your heart to accept people as God accepts them. You will miss out on the beautiful miracles of seeing lives changed. Seeing lives turned around. Our mission statement says, changed lives. We don't know the life. We don't care who they are. But we want them to see changed lives. And our vision a God-inspired vision for God's favorite house says to be filled with the life of Christ Jesus, released into our destinies, taking the world for him. If you don't open your mind and your heart to see everybody as a child of God, then you miss out on this vision statement. So, as it was with Cornelius and as it was with Peter, I want to encourage you to open your heart and open your mind and to see that everyone is a child of God in the waiting. Even the most horrible person you can think of. Think of the worst person in your heart. Think of the person that has done you the most evil, if there is any such a person. And I want you to realize that God loves that person. God wants to change that person. God wants to make that person your brother or your sister. Even that most horrible person that you can think of. So when I was around this point, I now remembered a time when I was working, I'm still working, but I was reporting to a lady, and she was, for some reason, we started out, you know, liking each other, then at some point, she just took a dislike to me. I couldn't understand why, I could not, there was nothing I could do that was right before her. Every time, 
I go to the office, I would be afraid. And she was my immediate boss. And I wasn't a junior person. But in the meeting, she would embarrass me even in the, in the presence of the newest employee. Sometimes I would leave our Monday meetings and enter the restroom and I would cry and cry and cry. I said, what did I do to this woman? So one day, I go home and as I was reporting her to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said, when was the last time you prayed for her? When was the last time you prayed for her to get born again? How many times have we invited her? And I said, God, I will never do so again. From that point to today, I always write her name and her children's name and put in the GWDIA box. And I make sure that I try to pray for her every time she comes to mind. I pray for her and her children. Do you know what? I believe that if any of her children gives their lives to Christ, they will win her to Christ as well. Even though I'm not working with her anymore, she's still my prayer point. So I want to encourage you to continue to do that. So let's look at, you know, okay, in the Bible that I used, I don't know if it's the same in your Bible, these verses from 34 to 48 were divided into three portions. So we've just taken the first portion, so we'll go to the second portion, um, which talks about, you know, um, Acts chapter 10, verses 39 to 43. Peter was still preaching here, you know, Peter was still talking. He said, we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. He said, they put him to death by hanging on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him. Excuse me. After he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere. And to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his, notes, through his name. I want you to look at these verses and try to remember where you heard Peter saying this before. If you have been coming to tribes since you started Acts, you know that this is the same sermon that Peter preached in Acts chapter 2. When, they have, when, the, the, when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they came out and there were a crowd and all the different nations could hear their, their, their languages as these people were speaking in tongues. It shows us that Peter's sermon to the Jews and to the Gentiles was the same sermon. He didn't change it for the Gentiles or dilute it for the Gentiles. And that goes on to show us that when we are talking to people about God, don't look at faces. Don't preach a, uh, or talk to them or by looking at their faces. Sometimes people look at somebody that they feel is rich and they say, ah, can this rich person uh, uh, listen to somebody like me? You're not going with your own words. You're going to speak because the Holy Spirit is one that will speak through you. So I want you to have that boldness and to present the word of Jesus Christ the same, whether they are rich or poor, tall or slim, fat or slim or whatever, just present the work of Jesus Christ. Now, this sermon that Peter preached, starting from verse 33, it was a wonderful explanation of the work and the person of Jesus Christ. So I want us to look at some of them, the major highlights of that sermon, and I want us to be able to just dig deep into them a little. The first thing Peter said was that Jesus was baptized in identification with humanity by John. When Jesus was going to be baptized by John, remember John himself said, ah, I am not worthy. 
Let me, I'm not even worthy to remove your shoes. You are the one that should be baptizing me. Why should, am I being baptized by you? But Jesus Christ said, let us fulfill all righteousness. In doing that, Jesus Christ brought himself to the same level of you and I. That said, all the people that were there by the water side, they could see Jesus going into the water to be baptized by John. The same way every other person that was coming for baptism at that time was being baptized. So Jesus Christ, was, that was his identification with us. Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. He says that he went about doing good. You cannot be anointed with the Holy Spirit. You cannot be anointed with power from God and you are wicked. I remember Papi said this a couple of times back, that you cannot be a child of God and be wicked. If you are truly a child of God, you will have a, have a heart of compassion. And with a heart of compassion, you will look at people. And you will want to see how you can save that person, if possible, bring that person from the edge of going into the flames or into hell. You want everybody to make it to heaven. When we are taking classes in NCR, one of the things I tell people is that if everybody that, was, that has been in this world and is still in this world from Adam till today, if Jesus Christ comes today, if everybody that has ever been created though, gives their lives to Jesus Christ, Heaven will be wide enough to take all of us. There is no limited space when it comes to heaven. There is no limited space. So we should be like Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus Christ went about what, doing good to all the people. He didn't limit himself because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. That is Jesus went, that is the top one. Jesus went about doing good. He was doing this good, thank you. He was healing people. He was delivering those oppressed by the devil. Now, I know that not all of us can do that. I'm not asking you to do that. Don't go and lay hands on any man suddenly, even the Bible warns us. If you don't have the anointing to deliver demons, people from demons, don't try it. But what can you do? You can invite them to church. And I always tell people, I love GFH. GFH has made it so easy to evangelize. I don't know how to talk to somebody, but I have hands and I can share flyers. Take flyers, take them out, give them to the people, invite them to church, follow them, let them come to church, follow up with them, let them come to church. They will meet Jesus Christ and he will deliver them and he will heal them in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus Christ was able to do this because the power of God was with him. Jesus did these things in the presence of eyewitnesses. He didn't do it hiding in the corner. For some of us, we are too, I don't want to use the word ashamed. Hmm. I don't want to know what word to use apart from being ashamed. We don't want people to know that we love Jesus. We want to keep one look for church, one look for the office, one look for the house. Or you both people will call that schizophrenia. You cannot be different people at different places. We must be bold about the Jesus that we love. They must, it should be that when people stay with you for a couple of times, in a few minutes, they will know that you have met with Jesus. That was the boldness. That was what Peter was telling them in Cornelius' house. He said, we were the eyewitnesses of this resurrection. So let me, I will still get to that. Then the la, the another point was that Jesus was crucified. That was what Peter was preaching about. Jesus was crucified. Not only was he crucified, Jesus was raised from the dead. He resurrected 
and many witnesses saw him. He resurrected in view of many witnesses. Then after he has resurrected, as we read in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus commanded his followers to preach the message of who he is and what he did. Everything, that was what Peter was preaching about in Cornelius' house. These are the things he did in Judea, in this place, in that place. And that is what Jesus' command is. So if you are a child of God and you are ashamed to do what God has commanded us to do, then what are you, what are you doing? Jesus is ordained by God to be the judge of the entire world. Yes, he's coming again and he will judge the whole world. Jesus is the one foretold by the prophets. The prophets talked about him thousands of years before he was born. And the other point, the last point he made is that your sins can be forgiven through his name. In case you are here and you have not accepted this, the opportunity is here for you. Your sins can be forgiven through the name of Jesus Christ. These are simple points. But when Peter preached this in the presence of everybody, lives were changed. I want to go back to one of the points I raised earlier. We are witnesses of these same things. That's what Peter said. And you and I, we are also witnesses of the same thing. It's so, it's, it, we, sometimes we try to make what is simple difficult. I've heard people say, the, good, the gospel is too simple. I want to go and stand. Not, I don't have anything against people going to mountains to pray. But some people say, until I go, and mosquitoes bite me and bite me and bite me. No, I will not be, accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The salvation message is very simple. Tell people your story. In retelling people your own story, they will see the story of Jesus in what you are saying. When Peter was recounting to Cornelius, he was telling them what he saw, what he witnessed. And then when in, in the telling of it, he was also telling the story of Jesus Christ. Can you relate your own story to anybody? And in telling people your own story, they know that you are telling Jesus' story. Once I was blind, that was what the man said. But now I see. He doesn't want to know what the man they claim is. Uh, is uh, I don't know what power he's using. But me, oh, I know this man. I know this one thing for sure. Once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was a very hot-tempered young girl. I have poured hot water in anger on somebody. So angry that I couldn't control myself. But today, sometimes I'm thinking I'm even mumu. I'm too gentle. That is the power of Jesus Christ. That is the power of Jesus Christ. That is the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ. That is what will happen when we follow this Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So, let me also ask us to do something. You know, when you have witnessed something, like I mentioned earlier, if you are a witness, that means you have seen it, right? You cannot be a witness of something you did not see. You can't tell somebody about something you did not see, right? If you do that, then you are what? A fake witness. When you go to, if people go to court and they say, come and act as a witness in a court case, they will ask them, were you there? Say yes. Did you see it? Yes. Let me give you one funny story. There was a woman that went to court <laughs> to act as a witness. So they asked him, uh, my, uh, 
lady, the witness, are you sure this gentleman is the person that you saw that committed the crime? She said, yes. Say, ah, you are very sure. Say, yes. You are looking at this man. Say, yes. Can you see him? Say, yes. How did you know he was the one? Said, um, uh, he was wearing a, a red shirt. He said, the person that committed the crime wasn't wearing a red shirt. Oh. Said, are you sure you can see? Say, yes, I can see. So they brought, you know, that thing they used to test the eyes in the hospital. And they asked the woman to read the Z, A, B, C, D, E thing that was there. And she couldn't read. And they said, so how did you see it? He said, my spirit tells me that he was the first thing. <laughs> that is a fake witness. That is a fake spirit that tells lies. We are not supposed to tell lies as witnesses of Jesus Christ. But when you are a witness, you are saying what you have seen happen in your life or happen in the lives of other people. I can say that Jesus Christ can raise the dead because I've heard and I've had stories of people that have been raised from the dead. I can tell people that Jesus can heal because I have experienced healing myself. I can tell that Jesus can change the life of people. I said, if you are at the bottom of a well and you see no light, reach out your hand. Jesus will hold you and bring you out of that well. Why can I say, how can I say this? Because I have experienced it. You can tell people what you have experienced. And also, sometimes, we also take these things by faith. So, I'm going to do one simple exercise. Since you're all sitting down, I'll ask everybody to stand up. Oh, yeah, stand up. Now, for those in the house, oh, online communities, please, if you're sitting down, also stand up. And then sit down again. Good. Let's do it one more time. Stand up. Sit down. Now... I noticed that in their standing up and in our sitting down, nobody looked for the chair. Nobody tried to hold the chair. Why? Because even though the chairs have legs, you know that chair will not move away. So you have the faith that in standing up and in sitting down, the chair will still be where you left it and you can sit on it. That is faith. If you can believe that, then you can believe that Jesus Christ can save you. You can believe that Jesus Christ can turn your life around. You can believe that Jesus Christ can bring light to any situation that you are going through. Praise the Lord. At this point, I would like to encourage everybody, if you have questions or you want uh, explanations on any point, please write those questions down if you are here. If you are online, please type it online as well. There are online pastors in every of our platforms, and they will take your questions, and at the appropriate time, we'll attend to those questions. Thank you. This is Thrive, and in Thrive, we, it's not just one person talking. It's, a, it's an opportunity for all of us to, to share. Praise the Lord. So, telling our stories, being witnesses, is all that God has called us to be, and this is what Peter was doing. You know, let's now look at the last portion of the Bible, of the passage that we read, Acts chapter 10. We'll be looking at from verses 44 to 48. Praise the Lord. I hope I'm not moving too fast. <laughs> okay, good. It says, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish, the Jewish believers 
spoken with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Peter went to Cornelius' house because God, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. The Holy Spirit told him, go to Cornelius' house. I'm sending three men to you. Follow them. And when he got to Cornelius' house, he said, I obeyed. I obeyed this instruction and I came. First of all, if you don't know when God is speaking to you, you don't know how to differentiate the voice of God. In the last few days in our devotional, Patty has been talking about it. We've been talking about the different voices. Gave us 12 different voices that we hear. But if you still have questions or you have not been following the devotional, I will encourage you to come to NCR. We hold NCR every Sunday <laughs> after the 8 a.m. service. So from 10. There's a class we call Hearing from God. And once you attend that class, it will help you to be able to hear clearly from God. Peter saw a vision. That is one of the ways God speaks to us. But not everybody can see vision. This, Peter was able to hear. They didn't say that the Holy Spirit spoke with a loud voice. All he said was that the Holy Spirit told Peter to follow them. The form and method the Holy Spirit used in speaking to Peter was not described. But the Holy, Peter knew that that was the voice of the Holy Spirit. So he obeyed. You need to know the voice of God so that you can obey. When we read the Bible, like we learned in the devotional, the Bible is the number one way that God used to speak to us. You want to hear the voice of God, I will encourage you, read your Bible. Read your Bible. When you read your Bible, you know that this is the way God speaks. You understand the patterns and the forms in which God speaks to us. So Peter was able to get that. And after that, he followed them and he went there. When Peter got to Cornelius' house, Peter didn't go to Cornelius' house to preach to people to get born again. Peter went to Cornelius' house to just obey the Holy Spirit, right? When he got there, and in obeying the Holy Spirit, as he was talking, the Holy Spirit began to honor him for his obedience by touching the lives of everybody that was there. Look at that verse. He said that the Holy Spirit came upon everybody, all who were listening to Peter speak. There was no exception. Even the Jewish brethren, that came with Peter from Joppa to Cornelius' house were touched by the Holy Spirit. Everybody that was present in that place had and had an encounter with the Holy Spirit because of the obedience of Peter. When we obey God, amazing things happen. Wonderful things happen when we obey God. When Peter now spoke to Cornelius and his family, and this happened, everybody there were amazed. They said the Jewish brethren rather were amazed. They were surprised, right? Why were they surprised? They didn't partake of the vision or the trance that, visions, uh, that Peter saw. So to them, it was, what is going on here? These people are Gentiles. 
and they are speaking in tongues just like us. The Holy Spirit has come upon them just the way he did upon, come upon us. They were shocked. But Peter wasn't because Peter had met with Jesus. Holy Spirit had prepared Peter ahead. When we go through the word of God, the word of God prepares us. It positions us. It arranges our lives. We have a turning point. And then we're able to see the miracles happen. In the same sermon that I'm a reference to, in the Here I Am sermon, when Papi preached two Sundays ago, the point two that Papi made was said that, when I say here am I, then I trust the promise I never thought I could trust. And going on about that, he says that when you bring the situation, whatever the situation is, and you place it with nothing is impossible with God, there is a 360, there is a 180 degrees turn. It changes completely. So if you are sad, for instance, if the person is sad, and you come to God and you say, with God, nothing is impossible, the answer will be joy. So Peter, in going to Cornelius' house, had an encounter, a turning point encounter, and he was able to witness Cornelius and his whole community also have the same encounter and the same turning point. Because with God, nothing is impossible. So when all of them came, they were able to see the nothing is impossible. And Peter was chill. Peter was calm. He wasn't bothered because he knows that God had already prepared him that this was going to happen. Praise the Lord. Now let me also give you an example. Okay, before then, let's read from Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, the NLT version as well. We'll read verses 28 to 29. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 29. It says, then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. Verse 29. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on servants, men and women alike. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, like I said earlier, is not selective. It is on everybody that desires it. It is on everybody that wants it. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit has been given to us. It's like when Jesus Christ was going, he said, I'm going, but the Father will send you an advocate. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, and he will lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit has been given to everybody. We have the option of receiving that gift and accepting him or his person or not. In this place, in Joel chapter 2, that promise is not limited to your only. It's not limited to your sons, as it says here, and your daughters. It's not limited to your old men and your, your old men and your young men. It is open to everybody. In verse 29, it says, I will pour out my spirit even on the servants. Even on men and women alike. So that is what the Holy Spirit did. And then at this place, if you go, for instance, and Cornelius' house, if you go for a basketball competition, I mean, basketball game, I don't know if it happens in football, but in basketball, I know that because I, I like basketball and I follow basketball, even though I'm not tall enough to play basketball. Well, I just love basketball for some reason. So if you go to a basketball game, there are some seats they call courtside seats. Those seats are the most expensive seats in the whole stadium. 
You pay extra to sit there. And if you follow it, that's where you see all the stars that like basketball. That's where they sit. All the so-called, all the stars, they are not so-called, all the stars that we know, when they go to watch basketball, they sit by the courtside because that is the best seat in the house. In accepting and following the instructions of the Holy Spirit, God gave Peter and the Jews that followed him courtside seats to witness the miracle in Cornelius' community. To witness the miracles, and I will list them. The first miracle was the baptism into the body of Christ. The second miracle was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the third miracle was when Peter said, okay, these people are baptized just like you and I. The Holy Spirit has come upon them. This is a confirmation that they have become Christians. They have become followers of Christ. They have become Christ-like. So who will say we cannot baptize them? Let them be baptized. So they witnessed the third miracle of baptism by water immersion, by immersion in water. When you come to NCR, we have four types of baptism that we teach about. I've mentioned three. The first one I mentioned here is baptism into the body of Christ, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then baptism by immersion in water. If you want to know the fourth one, attend NCR. <laughs> I won't tell you today, so please, next Sunday, attend NCR so that you will know the fourth one. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So these things happened because of one man's obedience. I would like to close this today by asking you, I've talked about being witnesses, how it is. Peter could relate what he was going through because of his relationship with Jesus Christ. I've given you examples of even my own life. I don't know what you are going through today, whether here or online. And you know that you need help. You don't know who to call upon for help. I will encourage you at this point in time. Let us all close our eyes and let us pray. If you want to accept Jesus into your life today, you want him to turn that situation, that impossible situation, into a turning point. You want to experience the miracle of changed lives. You want to be part of the people that will have the confidence to say that I am a witness of the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm a witness of the power of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you here today. If you are here, raise your hand and the ushers will give you a form to fill. If you are online, I also want you to give the emoji or a same, any emoji that will let us know that you are raising your hands. And the online pastors will take you through the process. Jesus Christ came for everybody. There is no discrimination. He has no prejudices. He has no preference. He has no favorites, people. Thank you. God bless you. And I want you to know that that same power that was able to change people in Cornelius' house is available today to change you. And the power of the Holy Spirit will do that in your lives in Jesus' name. So please raise up your hand if you are here and you want to accept the form. We will pray together. If you are online as well, please signify and the online pastors will do so for you. I want to pray for our brother here that accepted the form. And I want also all of us to pray together. I want us to pray for him that as he has raised his hand today,
to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he will not fall away from his hand. He will not depart from, the, from following Jesus. He will grow in the Lord. He will become a strong disciple in the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us pray for him. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for your son in this place and all those online that are lifting their hands currently or those that will watch this video later on and reach out to accept you as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray, oh God, that you will do a work, a work of a miracle in their lives. You will turn their lives around. You will turn their situations around. You will call them your own. They will know you, they will know you and accept you as their Lord and Savior in the mighty name of Jesus. And as they accept you, Lord, they will never remain the same. They will never remain the same again. For in Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. So once again, thank you. I still want to encourage you, if you have questions, please, and then um, have you. You're welcome, sir. Hi. Um, well done. Amazing teaching. Thank you, sir. Good job. Thank you, sir. Okay, so please, let's send in our questions. And while we are sending in our questions, Papi, I have three questions for you. Okay, so, you know, when I started, I was talking about how, um, how prejudices can be like, you know, strongholds, especially if that is the way all that you have done for your whole life, you know, like, like, like Peter, he was born a Jew, so he knew all the uh, negative concept, misconceptions that the Jews had, you know, the, these prejudices have become like strongholds. How do you get rid of them? How will somebody be able to say, I'm letting go? Oh. Well, we can, we can learn from Peter, at least for that, at that instance. You know, um, Peter at that instance decided to obey God and walk away from his um, prejudices. So we, we see that if we are going to overcome our prejudices, we have to obey God, regardless of how we feel initially. So Peter was reluctant. He was honest. He was like, look, I, I don't mix with this kind of people. You know, I mean, I'm uncomfortable in this crowd, you know, but since you want me to go, I will go. So we just have to die to ourselves and, and obey God. Um, you, would, you would realize that that is a daily thing, particularly if the prejudice has been, um, you know, ingrained in us. So it, it has to be a daily decision because if you follow the story on, um, Peter actually eventually went back to the Jews and separated himself from the Gentiles yes. because of what people will say. In fact, Paul called him out on that, you know, and, 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 and all that. So, yeah. Yes. Yes, chapter 11 was talking a part of, partly about that. Okay, thank you, Papi. Um, yeah. My second question is, um, okay, so the Jews that were with Peter, you know, they were surprised. They were amazed. 
at the events that was happening in Cornelius' house. But Acts chapter 2 had happened. Where they saw, when the Holy Spirit came upon them in the upper room and they came out and they saw everybody that was there. So why is it that even with that Acts chapter 2, with um, Philip's encounter with the Enoch, I think that was chapter 8, and, and Philip must have come back to tell some people that this is what happened when I was with the Enoch. He won't keep such a testimony to himself. So why were they still surprised <laughs> after all these different things that had happened? Because racism runs deep, you know. Racism actually runs deep. It's, it's actually very cheap to be a racist, you know. It's very cheap in the sense that you are, you are in your comfort zone, you know. You, you, when you step out from your comfort zone, then you begin to experience the world as, as it is. So in spite of Acts chapter 2, where even though the Holy Spirit came upon them that were in the upper room as Jews, they saw, they were speaking the languages of everybody that were, that were present, who were Gentiles. And that is a message from God that, look, this outpouring is for um, every nation and every tongue, you know, they didn't get it. Like and the, the other example you gave, um, um, Philip, they still did not get it, you know. So prejudice can be very strong, you know, like the people um, Christian, Yoruba Christian thing, <laughs> you know, it's, it's interestingly still very rife, you know, it's yeah. still very rife. You know, we have people out there, ah, no, my son can never marry a, a Yoruba, Yoruba man. Bati, you know, <laughs> Yoruba demons. You know, uh, you know, Ibo, uh, ah, no, 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 they can sacrifice you for money. You know, you can never marry, you know, from there. So we we need to overcome our prejudice, you know, and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I know that with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one that opens people's eyes to see. Because like you rightly said, sometimes these things, you're not even conscious of them. I mean, at the, on, at the immediate or the moment yeah, it is happening. Sometimes you need the Holy Spirit to help you to open your eyes to see the unconscious biases, you know. Uh, I've heard people say that I don't go to that church because they only sing Yoruba song. And then you find out that the choir itself is not just Yoruba people. There are different people in the choir. And then you say, but the Yoruba song, does it not bless you? Or the Igbo song, doesn't it bless you? So sometimes the biases, people are not really conscious of that. It takes the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see. Mm, interesting. <laughs> so, okay, my last question is a double-barred one, okay? So, but it's one question. <laughs> Well, well just, just to add to what you were saying, you know, these same people that says that, oh, they are singing any bull song in that song, in that church, mm. and all that, they want to go abroad and sing English songs. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and sing English songs, you know, I mean, you don't have any crowds doing that, you know, so oh. go ahead, please. Oh, Papi, before I say my question, that what you just said reminded me of something. Okay, so I was with my mom last weekend, and anytime I'm home, I go to her church. You know, we grew up Baptist, so I go to her church. 
So we couldn't go to church last Sunday, even though it was the American mother, Mother's Day. And she was telling me that, ah, you should go to church even without me. That, you know, every time you come, eh, the next Sunday, people tell you, where is that your daughter that dances when she comes? <laughs> you know, people just have different, apparently when my sister, uh, my other sisters go, maybe they don't dance. For me, I cannot hear good music and not dance now. The little shaking of my body. And that is, is something to, for somebody, you know. So I told my mom, I said, that person that said, or the people that said that they need to check their heart, really. Because sometimes the small things will rob you of the bigger blessings of God if you don't take, get rid of it. Praise the Lord. Then my last question was this, that God was not subtle about wanting to save Cornelius and his household and his family. He was not subtle about it at all. He gave um, um, Peter vision, a trance, three times. He made an angel to appear to Cornelius. Was Cornelius the only Gentile that was faithful in giving arms and helping the poor? Why did God single him out? You know, God's election and selection process, we don't know. Mm. You know, I mean, we don't know. Why, why are you the one standing there Teaching us a tribe today. Why? Why are you doing? <laughs> why? 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 Why didn't they do an election in your village? You know, to see who will be the better. I mean, of course, there are things that Cornelius did that was is, is commendable. And but if you look at it, there are probably people that have done such things even in a bigger way and didn't get the attention that heaven gave Cornelius. So again, the heart is a big thing here. Maybe it's Cornelius' heart, you know? You know, this difference between Saul and David, we've talked about that, the heart, the heart, David's heart was, was for God, you know? So yes, we don't know God's criteria. You know, someone says, oh, out of all these people, how come she's the one? Or how come he's the one? You know, what, you know, it is just God's mercy and God's grace, you know, that chooses us. Yeah. Okay, that also reminds me of when I, when I, when I put that um, Guardian newspaper article uh, about you, I put it on okay. my status, and a lot of people saw it. And a few people were asking me, what was the selection criteria? I said, grace. That was just my like, grace. <laughs> I would just reply, grace. Because really, I'm not, <laughs> it's just grace. You know, I, I don't go to, you know, like, I don't know what they do there, but grace picked him out of the thousands of people that have graduated from Unilag. Hundreds of thousands. Just grace. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, I, I can't sing, so I won't sing, but you know, that song that says, Grace has found me out. I, I just want to encourage all of us to always ask God for the grace. Me. Yes. Okay. The choir will back you up. <laughs> oh, yeah, go ahead. Nanike. Easy. Grace. Oh, your grace has found me out. Empty handed. Your grace has found me just as I am. Thank you. 
did not obey Jesus, what would have happened? Okay, Jetita, I'll, I'll say something first and Papi will add to it, alright? So my, my, under, my thinking of it is this, if Peter did not obey Jesus, Jesus, I mean, not obey God, God would have raised somebody else. See, there is no vacuum, there is no empty space. There's no lacuna, as they use the word, in the spirit. When God wants to do something, he looks for men that are ready, that are willing, that are open and ready to obey him. And then he will use those men or women to accomplish the purposes that he wants to do. So if God comes to Peter and say, Peter, go. And if Peter had refused, Peter would have lost out completely, like I said when I was talking earlier. But God would still have accomplished his purpose. God would have raised somebody else. Maybe Philip, maybe Bartholomew, we never really heard much about Bartholomew. Maybe Bartholomew, maybe even Barnabas, maybe somebody else, any of the disciples. God would have given them the same vision and told them to go and do what he wanted them to do. So if we don't want to miss out on the blessings that God has proposed for us when we obey him, then we have to just say yes. That's what Papi preached to Sunday. Here I am. Exactly. Papi wants to add to it. No, nothing to add. Thanks. Okay, thank you, Ma. The first question online says, hello, Papi. Hello. Is it every time we eat in the dream that signifies that Satan is trying to harm us? If no... How do we differentiate eating in the dream that does not have anything to do with Satan? Okay, Papa, let me try. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, I'll use my personal life example here. Okay. Now, I try to lose weight all the time. I've been trying to lose weight from when I was like maybe 12 years old, and I'm over 15 now, so I'm still trying to lose weight. So sometimes I starve myself in the bid to lose weight. I go to bed without eating. And I'm hungry and then I eat in the night. So that is because I was hungry, right? That's the way I see it. Sometimes maybe you've been thinking about some food. Somebody that knows me, close friend, not a member of this church, knows I'm fasting, send me a video of somebody turning jollof rice. 
the other day. And he sent it to me in the night. And I didn't know what was in the video until I opened it. Assuming I hadn't changed from where I used to be before, if it was in the past, I probably would have dreamt and eaten jollof rice in my dream. So sometimes eating in the dream is just because of the, the thoughts and the, and the life or the things that has happened to us during the day. However, if I have cause to eat in the dream, and I wake up and my spirit is disturbed, I know it was not just an ordinary eating in the dream. Then I take, I take command of that situation immediately. Then you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit to intervene. And most of the time, I quote this place in Ephesians that says that we shall eat of poisonous things and it will not harm us. So I pray and I, I, I bind the, the effect of that food from me. Sometimes it happens because you have, I have had maybe very deep level of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Maybe that season, you know, constantly praying, constantly talking to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is showing me things. I'm writing things down. I'm hearing things. I'm dreaming things. And then maybe something happens. Maybe something, somebody annoyed me in the office and then I create a, a gap in the hedge somehow. Then that happens. And immediately that happens, I know what the fault is coming from. I correct it and I rebuke the holy, um, I rebuke the, the effect of that eating on me. And I build it all back. Immediately I engage the holy in the spirit again. I go back, I engage the spirit. I start praying in tongues. I can't praying in tongues until I know that that food is no longer effect on me. So that is the way I handle it. But I would like Papi to also maybe add something to it. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much what you said, but well, in addition, maybe if you read that story, you know, it was God that instructed Peter to get up, kill and eat, to eat in his dream. <laughs> so eating in the dream by itself, you know, cannot be a bad thing, you know. A lot of people have turned it into an industry, you know. Of deliverance, you know, if you eat rice in the dream, this is what it means. If it's jollof rice, this is what it means. If you are, if you, if it has a chicken, this is <laughs> all sorts of crazy things, you know. So, like Pastor Jerry said, you are fasting right now. If you, it depends on your level, you know, you may be actually be dreaming of food, you know. <laughs> so it's just what it is you know it's it's neither here nor there that's that's what i would say but of course if if you have a check in your spirit you know then maybe you want to you want to tackle it eating is not a bad thing it is a good thing so imagine you you dream and you see yourself you're a billionaire in dollars mm -hmm. would you wake up and be casting out demons you won't do that, though. you know. It's just, that's a good thing. If you see yourself eating delicious food, it's also a good thing, you know. Uh, so you know, except of course, there's a check in your spirit. How you feel? Don't feel comfortable about it. But because of all the negative uh, content that I've been poured that about eating in the dream, most a lot of people by themselves to feel bad, not necessarily because the Holy Spirit is leading them in that, that direction. So you need to decongest your heart and, and 
purge yourself of those biases. It's a bias. Another prejudice that we need to let go. Because <laughs> I remember the friend when we were in the university, and then he would say, oh, people are bringing food for me in the dream. So it's, it was happening constantly. So he said that, um, uh, I heard Debbie say the midnight caterers. So he said before he sleeps in the night, <laughs> he would tell them and say, today, eh, jollof rice, put dodo all around it, eh? put chicken, put beef, eh? put moi moi. That's what I want to eat today. <laughs> he, he will place his order and then he will sleep. Now, by the time he did that a couple of times, he stopped dreaming about food. <laughs> so just to be, you know, don't, Sometimes we take everything so serious, so, so serious, so gloomy, and then people become, um, they start having mental, mental issues because of simple, simple thing that is just neither here nor there, like you said, you know, start castigating themselves. I must be, I mustn't be strong enough a Christian for this to be happening to me. It's not that. It's not an indication of your, of your strength or your, or your sweet cocoa. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. Debbie, next question. Okay. Um, it says, how do we evangelize in diaspora where there is strong antagonistic attitude towards believers? Okay, I'm not in the diaspora, but I'll just let the people in the diaspora <laughs> answer that question. <laughs> well, I mean... Um, like Pastor Joyce said, that the message Peter preached to the Jews was the same message he preached to the Gentiles. Um, in, the, in, the, in, in diaspora, if you will, <laughs> it, you, the culture is different. And you can even be in a place where the language is different. So, and so you, you go to a place that they speak um, maybe Spanish. And in their culture, they receive the message better when the tone is cool. So you can be giving the same message, but you say, Jesus really loves you. Jesus died for you, you know, and they will receive it. It's the same message, but maybe it's a way that you say, Jesus died for you. With a boo Yeah, yeah, It's the same message. It's the same message. It's the same message. However, the cultural context, you have to pay attention to the cultural context. You know, so the message remains the same. The delivery, the method of delivery will be different. It, it must be different. The language the West, for instance, North America, the language they speak is completely different from the language we speak in Nigeria or Africa. When I say language, we, both, we, we speak English, but what we communicate, God loves you, is different, completely different. You know, so yeah, so you need to you need to um, understand your context. You know, so the content can be the same, but the context will determine the delivery. 
Like they say sometimes for us, I love you. You have to shout it very I love you. You say, I love you. But both people understand. But for us, say, I love you. The love has to be aggressive, you know. <laughs> okay, go ahead, please. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I just want to add to um, an answer to that question. Instead of saying, I love you in their language, the language of love is the same. Showing love in itself is evangelism. Because when the first time the Christians were called Christians, they were not even around their own area. They were in Antioch and they were not Jews there. They were Gentiles. But because they were acting like Jesus, they were doing things the way Christ did. That's why they called them Christians because we are Nigerians. They call us Niger we act like Nigerians. So because they were showing the love Jesus showed. So evangelism is more of what you are showing than what you are saying. We are the Bible unbelievers read. So when we are showing the love, not not without judgment, you are accepting them. So, even if you enter into their culture and you are doing what they do, and, but you are still showing that love, that acceptance without judgment, you are, they will want to know the kind of um, God you are worshipping. Thank you. Thank you. That's a wonderful contribution. Thank you. Um, any other questions? I think that's exhausted. I really uh, like the way she... She landed it. Sometimes you are the Bible, the only Bible some people will read. And that's why it is a misnomer to say you are a Christian and be wicked and not have compassion and not show kindness to others. It's a misnomer. It's, it's, not, it's not normal. You know, if you are a Christian, you will show love to people. You will be compassionate. That doesn't mean that you take every thumbnail and hurry. Do you understand, Sha? God will give us the wisdom. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, uh, no online question again. No physical question. Food, uh, like today. Happy. Okay, thank you. Um, so, thank you everybody for um, joining us for Thrive today. Amen. Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Amen. Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. And so it is, I shall be. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. So, God's favorite house, who are we? We are limitless all the way. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and Friend. God bless you.